to another bio bit. It's been a while for Normandy FM listeners for us to have a bio bit here on the show, but I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, joined by Kenneth Shepard. We're here to talk about the latest in Bioware news. Ken, mm-hmm. why don't you give a rundown for the listeners real quick if they haven't heard a bio bit in a while because it's been a while since we talked about anything Bioware. Yeah, so if you're a person who has showed up in the midst of the Final Fantasy X season or something, a bio bit is... When we come back and talk about Bioware, because that is what we used to be at the show we started as a Mass Effect show, we went on to talk about Dragon Age and Jade Empire. And so, because that's, you know, part of our roots, we try to come back every time that there's actual news happening with that studio, because presumably some people that are still around came on when we were talking about those series. You know, we, we, we acknowledge that that's where we started, so a lot of people still probably give a shit about us talking about Bioware stuff as it comes up. And I usually make a comment about how I'm glad to be a Mass Effect podcast again every time we do one of these, but that's because Dragon has not been in the news for a bit. And for so now I get to say, I didn't miss being a Dragon Age podcast. I don't like this fucking series anymore. I'm bitter. We, it's weird because I'm maybe on the polar opposite where I'm kind of in a place where, you know, I'm ready for some Dragon Age, but really I'm just ready for some more Bioware in general because mm-hmm. it does feel like... It's been a hot minute. Uh, when... I, I did, yeah. In the in the, uh, in the midst of all this news coming out, I just go back and listen to some of our Dragon Age shows, and um, we're a good fucking podcast. I don't know if you know that about us. You know, I, I like to feel good about that. You know, we, we try. We try to put out the best podcast we can. We try to stay humble, though, Ken. It's important that we stay humble. Speak for your fucking self. <laughs> we not let our... We not let our nope, hubris got, fly us into the sun. We got fucking bars, and we just... <laughs> we we say them the into a microphone... For a podcast, and we're good at this shit. <laughs> we're in the middle of a cyberpunk season, Ken. If we talk ourselves up too much, we're going to take the same path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but we have two bits of news today, interestingly enough. Normally, we center this around one piece of news. And I think originally when this first piece of news came out, we debated doing a bio bit. And I, I think it just kind of never came to fruition. We just kind of considered the notion and let it slide. But after the second piece of news came up, uh, Ken and I were like, okay, let's, let's, let's bio bit. Let's talk about this. We both have thoughts. Um, I've been, I actually have been basically saving my thoughts all day. I've not said anything to Ken about this. <laughs> series all day which i am honestly baffled that we managed to not talk about this the second piece of news all day it's it's frankly amazing mm-hmm. uh, but let's start with the first piece of news which came out on june 2nd 2022 bioware announced uh the name of the next dragon age we can stop calling it the next dragon age or even more begrudgingly dragon age 4 <laughs> which is that like like side note that is just one of the weirdest things that we do in this industry as as an industry is that we just see a game come out instead of saying next uh one thing that i always think of is is god of war i think before the subtitle was known or even with breath of the wild right now a lot of people just say breath of the wild 2 even though we know that it's probably not going to be called breath of the wild 2 no zelda game has ever been two except for the legend of zelda 2 and uh, we know it's going to be called something else, but we just use it because it's shorthand. But it always bugs me. It's an, it's annoying, especially when people get the numbering wrong, right, Ken? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I don't really care in most cases when it is just, you know, being used as like a stand-in title. But when it unearths some maybe delusions people have about what an next game is going to be, 
and mm -hmm. they just like really stick with it, like mm -hmm. a certain massively effective uh, franchise that we also talk about on the podcast sometimes. <laughs> uh, that's when it bothers me. That's when it's throwing. It shepherds in some bad thoughts mm -hmm. uh, and wrecks mm -hmm. our perception of a series. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm totally annoyed by it. <laughs> Boy, I stretched on that one. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I tried to get a Kaiden one in there, but I could not. Uh, Holy, what the fuck? You have not called him his like the wrong name in literally like four years. I know, right? It's it's, it's Ninja Kaiden. <laughs> it, oh, I'm sorry, Kaidan. You're you're right. Is Kaidan? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, during Pride Month, you would do this to me. During Pride Month, I've done this. <laughs> we cannot release this until June. We should talk about news. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we haven't done a loose podcast like this in a while. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Um, so on June 2nd, 2022, I'm reading from the Bioware blog. Our next game now has an official name, not our video game, Bioware's video game. Uh, we know you're anxious. We know you've anxiously awaited new details. And today we're excited to reveal the official title of the next adventure across the lands of Thetis, Dragon Age Dreadwolf TM. <laughs> Took you eight years to renounce that one, huh? Yeah. And also... Uh, let, let me get through the blog real quick because mm -hmm. there's i'm not going to read the part at the bottom i will summarize that but i do want to read the next two paragraphs that come after this they they start with a who is the dread wolf uh and one reason i want to highlight this is that they say who is the dread space wolf but the title mm -hmm. is dread wolf like one word and that bugs the hell out of me <laughs> uh solace the dread wolf some say he might be an ancient elven god but some say not Others say a betrayer of his people, or a savior who now seeks to rescue them at the cost of your world. Ooh, I'm just now reading that wording and I'm not liking mm -hmm. that. His motives are inscrutable, and his methods sometimes questionable, earning him a reputation as something of a trickster deity, a player of dark and dangerous games. Whether you're new to Dragon Age stories or you've experienced them all, using Solus's namesake no doubt suggests a spectrum of endless possibilities and where things may go. I really think it doesn't, but <laughs> but at the core of this, like every past game, is you. If you're new to Dragon Age, you have no need to worry about not having met our antagonist just yet. He'll properly introduce himself when the time is right. But we did hint at his return when we announced hashtag the Dreadwolf Rises back in 2018. It's, oh, okay. No, no. Well, you know, the, the last part is just that they say there's more coming later this year in info, but the game's not coming out this year, which was not a huge surprise. Um, both of those things we pretty much already knew that we'd probably hear more about Dragon Age sometime this year, and also that the game is definitely not coming out in 2022. We we have not seen hide nor hair of that thing. So, uh, number one. I, I want to circle back to that first point I did a Marge Simpson, Simpson uh, mm, at. <laughs> um, mm. Or a savior who now seeks to rescue them, them meaning uh, his people, which are the elves, uh, who a long-running theme of the franchise has been how the elves were once, you know, the predominant race in Thetis, and they fell by the wayside. And, uh, you know, now it's it's not all that different from Lord of the Rings. I'm just going to tell you that much. It's, it's a similar story. Uh, now, you know, man is pretty dominant. You got dwarves running the deep roads. Uh, there, there's all kinds of stuff, but the elves largely live either in alienages, uh, which are kind of the fringes of cities often in disrepair, 
or they move around in kind of caravans that move from place to place. Um, so they say, or a savior who now seeks to rescue them at the cost of your world. And that was the part I got hung up on because a mm-hmm. major part of Inquisition for me is that you can play as an elf mm-hmm. and even romance soulless. And that is one of the most interesting aspects of that game. Like one of the most interesting romances in my opinion, because it really gives you insight into a villain in a way very few other games ever have. You, you There's a long history of uh, empathetic villains. You know, maybe you don't sympathize Maybe you sympathize with their cause, you, you empathize with their cause, uh, but you don't uh, you don't condone their their methods or whatever. You know that's that's a classic uh, trope for a villain, mm-hmm. and villains are often very very well done when they do that, and they they're well remembered. Solus being one of them, but with Solus specifically having the tie in of you being an elf as well, and and coming to grips with how the world has treated your race to the point that like. Yeah, Souls has got a freaking point, y'all. <laughs> and, uh, and grappling with that uh, is is really good. And so I'm already not wild about the your world part. I'm mm-hmm. hoping that that isn't. I, I hope I'm not reading like five thousand you know lines too deep into this and seeing that. Oh, maybe they're considering not doing a character creator. That would be very strange. I wouldn't like that because I think that is another major or that it would specifically not let you play as an elf yeah like maybe it's a hawk situation Mm. um Mm. which i would not be wild about either like i really think that's a key part of dragon age is letting you and i remember us citing that when we were playing is that like we liked hawk as a character but it did Mm. feel like a weird limitation to suddenly have hawk only be allowed to be human Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, it's especially. I, I I think it's probably just like careless wording in mm-hmm, a blog post, because mm-hmm. um, I would be very surprised if that was something. Especially because like, for all the reasons that you said, like, I don't know, like, Hawk is well liked in some spaces of the Bioware fandom, but I I do think that restriction has largely been something that like Inquisition was very reactionary towards, like, because it, it like gave you back you know character creator you know pick your race, but also like picking a race that they'd never let us play before. So mm-hmm, I would be very surprised mm-hmm. if that like pivot if they pivoted away from that um but yeah i, w- I would be yeah. I-, I would be taken aback if we could not play as a as kunari or something like that mm-hmm. in this new one especially because if we're dealing with tevinter there's a large chance that we're dealing with the kunari as well uh so i i would yeah. be disappointed if that was not the case yeah like for all of my feelings that we'll get into about other things like the conflict that we're heading into and like the, the place in the conflict that we're heading into has like the most like, spread of involvement in terms of, like, the people uh-huh. of Dragon Age and, like, the various factions and races of this world in terms of them being involved either with th- with stuff going on with Solus or, like, in Defender. And so that would be strange to me, and I think a disservice to probably the story that they're writing and the world that they've created to only let players see that from a very particular perspective. Because I think uh-huh. that would be something that would be, like, very rewarding for a lot of people to, like, come together having played this game with different, you know, different classes, different races, and being able to talk about, like, how their experience was different and how, like, the framing of a lot of things might have been different. Like, if you're, say, if you're playing a mage in Deventer, if you're playing a Kunari in Deventer, if you're playing an elf in the midst of everything happening with Solus, because, like, I mean, not to get, like, too hard, far ahead of ourselves, but I could imagine a version of Dreadwolf where if you're playing as an elf, like, what if you could just, like, turn heel at some point? 
and mm. side with Solus. And like, you know, then a large portion of the game could be very different or, you know, maybe Dragon just, like, Age the end game houses. Could be very yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a time skip. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love that. And, and I mean, going into Deventer carries so much import for a lot of characters that are in uh, Dragon Age at large, like having characters like Fenris and stuff like that in there. Um, that I, I would really be bummed if that was not the case. So I think we're probably just reading too much into that. But the thing mm. that I think is more worth noting here is uh, the line that you and I both went, hmm, at, and it was the, if you're new to Dragon Age, you have no need to worry about having not met our antagonist just yet. And the the line about at the core of this, like every past game is you. Now we've had many, many a discussion about the anthological nature of Dragon Age. The alleged anthological nature. Yeah, yeah. It, it's attempts to be anthological, and we'll be talking more about it with our second piece of news too. But um, it is. I am so of two minds about this because I do think that you can have an overarching antagonist be handled by multiple protagonists. I, I There are series and games that have done it before, stuff like uh, the Mother series and all that. Mm. Um, but Solus in particular, I think when it's been done in the past, the, the villains have traditionally been much more removed from the play, like not as deeply tied into the player in the way that Solus is. And that's why I wanted to bring up the, the Solus stuff earlier and how deeply tied in Solus can be to the Inquisitor is that by all accounts, Solus could have just been another dude that was in your party that left in the end, or it could have been your lover that betrayed you and ripped your arm off in the end. Mm. Uh, and I think that, that vast array of differences is what can make Dragon Age really interesting because so many people can have so many different experiences with it and really craft their own tale. But at the same time, now we're taking this villain and we're moving into a new conflict. Uh, and they're kind of being like, don't worry, you can mm. totally boot this one up and and play it to your heart's content. And I do feel like Dragon Age more than Mass Effect is one of those games where you could reasonably start with like i know a lot of people whose first dragon age was inquisition you know mm-hmm. uh I, I i actually i feel like i know more people who have played dragon age inquisition than have played dragon age origins i feel like that's mm-hmm. a safe bet especially yeah. dragon age 2 i feel like dragon age 2 is probably the least played of all of them mm-hmm. um but I, I i don't know it's it's so difficult because they keep doing things that want to tie it together in the way that mass effects tie together mm-hmm. in in the trilogy specifically but they also don't make the jumps necessary like Andromeda did to say mm-hmm. like, okay, we're doing something different. Like, right. like there's, there's no carryover. Don't worry about it. Make your choices here. New character, no shepherd. Like here they're kind of playing around with, there are things that are going to be here. And now I'm just left wondering, okay, does that mean, is there a keep? Is there mm-hmm. a world state that we carry over? They haven't talked about it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't discussed that stuff and the already wording it like that makes me wonder how much tie-in there is going to be mm. for somebody who did do a lot of the solo stuff in inquisition right are they going to see that not necessarily rewarded i don't want to turn it into a thing like we've earned tokens and we should be able to cash them out mm. but um i i do think that is a hallmark of what makes a good bioware game mm. especially a good bioware series which right. is what Dragon Age is part of at the end of the day. And I, I, 
I'm tepid. <laughs> I, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm shooketh a little bit. <laughs> well, how are you feeling, Ken? I think it plays into a lot of feelings that, like, if if you're new to the show and you never listened to our Dragon Age season, like, you know, and you want to kind of get a, a sense of what we're talking about, you can skip to, like, the very last episode we did of Inquisition, which was about Trespasser. And a lot of it is, I feel like the, there's this massive disconnect between how Bioware talks about Dragon Age and the stories they actually write. Because it's interesting to me to, like, you know, when this announcement came out, we saw so many people, like, being like, let me beat Souls to the ass, you know, and stuff like that. You know, having this, like, very, like, personal vendetta against this character that I think speaks to, like, a relationship that you establish with him through the lens of another character. And that's what's always been strange to me is that, like, you have these very personal ties to these things, but then you, in, in shit like this, where they're like, oh, it doesn't matter if you don't know who Solus is. Like, when, but when you talk about it in this way, it feels like when they say things like that, it doesn't feel like Bioware really respects the, the relationships that players make with these characters. But it also kind of feels like because Bioware has been so insistent in this idea that Dragon mm-hmm. Age is only loosely connected, despite the fact that the stories are right, don't support that. It also just kind of feels like that has gotten kind of woven into the way that the fandom speaks about it as well, like where they talk about how almost like there's like a resigned inevitability to it. They're like, oh, we're going to move ahead to another protagonist or during this. Even if like the, the stories that Bioware writes don't support the anthology format that they always claim the Dragon Age is. The idea that it's about the world, one that is about any one person, despite the fact that, you know, you are focusing on a villain that has a very direct tie to an individual that we played as. And in that way, it's... Part of that, I think, makes sense in that, from, like, a business standpoint, like, one, you want people to be able to just feel like they can jump in, whether or not that's true. Because, like, you know, Bioware harped that same shit for Mass Effect 3, and, like, despite, like, certain things that they did to kind of, I think, try and kind of onboard players into like, you know, the very last thing in the trilogy. I broadly don't think that that's true. I think like Mass Effect 3, like coming into Mass Effect 3 without playing 1 and 2, it's playing the, a worse version of that game on purpose. And I mean, Not to hmm. like belabor a point, but when they release the Legendary Edition, I feel like that is an acknowledgement that you need to play all of those games mm-hmm. together and you can play all those games together. Like, I they did not release individual versions of each of those games. They Mm. released the legendary edition and, you know, I call me cynical or whatever, you know, they could have easily made that a bunch of games that cost more money to put, to get all together than in one package. But they literally, the whole goal stated there was to have that trilogy put together from the outset. Mm. That was a tacit acknowledgement that, Hey, these games are meant to be played together. They're meant to Mm. be played. They're, they're a trilogy. Yeah. And again, that's that's the thing I think is the ultimate problem, is there's a disconnect between how Bioware markets and talks about Dragon Age and the reality of the games that they make and the stories that they write and the character relationships that they write. And I don't... Part of me also understands that like it has been, as of this recording, almost eight years since Inquisition came out. And for all of, you know, the... the reasons of, of the things that were going on in that studio for the reasons that that happened you are still like to some degree not beholden's not the word i want to use but more like people haven't forgotten inquisition like people haven't forgotten the way that the game ended and so like you are uh. i i think it's fair to expect that you know the next thing that you put out is going to be a worthwhile and meaningful continuation of the thing that you very deliberately led people to believe in what they wanted to be, you know, the follow-up. Um, and so the language is already very wishy-washy here and weird to me because I just, it's like, 
I'm not as angry and fired up as I was two years ago when we did that podcast because mm-hmm. I've had two years to finally just like make my peace with this shit. But you know, I it it I guess it proves to me again that like all the things that we talked about in that season are are just true because like Bioware has this very I think I would honestly go as far as to say like delusional view of how these stories are are actually interwoven and mm-hmm. the way that that has affected the storytelling of the things that they've written. I, I'm going to slightly push back on that. Okay. And and I'll tell you why. Because there is, I, I like that you brought up, it's been like two years since we originally played through the Dragon Age and talked about them. Uh, in that time since, I've been spending a lot more time playing more classic CRPGs. I already played some going into that series, but I've played a lot more. And obviously games like Baldur's Gate 3 have come by that kind of rekindled my interest in that genre. Uh, I've also, I have finally played Dungeons and Dragons and I'm aware of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts and I, I understand how they function now and how campaigns function. And the more I have looked into that, the more that Dragon Age feels like it is a thing that is akin to that era and that style of storytelling because if you think about Dragon Age not as sequential stories like Mass Effect, but as different campaigns all taking place in a shared world, that starts to make a lot more sense, right? It's now because everybody's going to roll new characters. You're going to have some old returning faces for people to get excited about, but you're also going to have a lot of new faces, uh, new challenges, new ideas for you to deal with. Um, it is built like that. And a lot of CRPGs that try to mimic the idea of playing a tabletop role-playing game try to go for that. And and I think Dragon Age, uh, it, it is honestly, like, it's very, it has a tabletop adaptation. I don't think it was designed from the outset to be uh, that, but it does harken back to Bioware's roots in, in stuff like Baldur's Gate 2 and all that. Uh, but... Here's where I'll also say I do think you are correct in that, we, as, as, as we've said, Bioware does a lot, especially with the Dragon Age series, and trying to get you very invested with your character and with the things that happen, and then carry those things forward. I feel like it is trying to split the middle of doing CRPG campaigns and having some of the things that make Mass Effect special, specifically. So part of me does wonder if the problem at the end of the day is them trying to have carryover like Mass Effect instead of just doing a bunch of CRPGs in the world of Dragon Age, which is kind of what Dragon Age already feels like. If you really get down and look at it, it feels like three, soon to be four, very different experiences within the general world of Thetis. They don't really have a strong through line you know obviously you don't have the same character going through but even the conflicts change between each one the central characters frequently change the the main antagonists change throughout all of them and i i think that's the interesting part is that you could view this as a selection of campaigns from a tabletop world but then you have things like the keep you have things like uh, information from old games carrying over and it really feels like there's this tension there between trying to do a classic tabletop style CRPG style experience 
and then also trying to kindle some of the same emotions because Mass Effect was a huge success. It was a really big success. <laughs> it was it like it, it became a game that basically defined Bioware moving forward. Like you have the pre-Mass Effect and post-Mass Effect Bioware for all intents and purposes. And so now it's something that they do need to kind of grapple with whenever they make an RPG. And does that structure fit Dragon Age? I think when it does, it works very, very well. I love the fact that Hawk can show up in Inquisition, and I know we had it out over this a bit, but I still love that moment when you go up and Hawk's hanging out, and granted, they kind of flub it a little bit by making you be like, oh, who's up here? And then it's character creator. (laughs) But I think that's a really cool thing. Uh, At the same time, now we're suddenly staring down a situation where it looks like for potentially the second time we are going to have an antagonist who is deeply tied to one protagonist being faced off with and, 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 and fighting a different protagonist because that's just the nature of these games, I guess. And it feels messy. It, it, it's not that it's even necessarily... I don't know I'd say it's bad because I think the story is I mean, fine, but it's... Like, like, like I don't think I it's... Would, I would go as far to say it's bad because I think there's a, like a huge... like I mean everything you said about like you know the idea of like crpgs are like very clearly like they have these barriers between them even if they're in the same world i think like just like the long and short of the problem is that dragon age never finishes the story before it moves on and mm-hmm. like well i mm. i i think i would contest you in one part in that the corypheus stuff while they did deeply tie it to hawk and then move it to inquisition that was at least dlc that was a different thing entirely well, we, uh, I mean, I played I played Inquisition before I played the the Dragon Age two DLC that introduces Corypheus, and I think that's for better or worse. That's you know what the situation is. But with Solus specifically, they set up Solus in Inquisition during Inquisition. Okay, sure. Ultimately, like that's I like I said like that's the problem is that like for all the talks about like you know CRPGs are supposed to, or can be like you know or just like general like Dungeons and Dragons campaigns can be these. Things that take place in a different world, but like, or in the same world, but everyone plays different characters. Like that, I, like that on paper is fine. I think mm-hmm. the, like you said, the issue comes from Bioware's inability to let Dragon Age actually be contained stories. I think that's just like, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, the structural thing that it's missing from, you know, most anthologies. Is it like, and I think there's a difference between like, you know, you can have, you know, references to things that happened elsewhere and, you know, cameos from other characters and stuff, that's not really the issue. Is that, like, the the foundational conflicts that you set in these games or, you know, in the DLC never actually wrap up in the presence of the person who started it. And that is, like, the weird thing to me. It's, like, I don't see, like, how people get past that specifically. Like, there, like I said, there's kind of the, the resignation amongst a lot of people that play Dragon Age at this point. Like, this is how it's always been. This is how it has, has to be. It literally doesn't have to be this way. Like, nobody is holding a gun to Bioware's head and being like, you cannot finish a story with one protagonist. You have to hand it off to another. There's no one that said that Dreadwolf had to be, you know, through the perspective of another character, other than the one that actually had the conflict going on. And that's like, you know, and like I said, I've had two years to make my peace with it. And like I said, even then, like, I'll play Dreadwolf just because, like, it still does involve characters I care about. But um, I'm, you know, far and like, far beyond ever being invested in it again. And uh-huh. uh, the way that they're talking about it now, even though we haven't actually seen the game, like, just kind of 
you know, solidifies that for me. Like, Bioware is not accomplishing what they think they're doing in the way that they write stories. And part of me just thinks that's, like, almost like a strength of their character writing is that, like, they are able to write these really stellar villains and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. weave this relationship between the player and that one into, you know, this overarching conflict. You know, something that is huge in scale, as what Solus is talking about, like, has a very personal element to it that has, you know, persisted for eight, seven, or seven or eight years at this point, because, like, Trespasser came out in 2015. Um, But, like, they're not, you know, there's that one core pillar of anthology writing that they just don't ever really do. And, well, I mean, they did it in Origins, but that game was never meant to have a sequel in the first place, so that's, you know, how that came to be. Um, Because, like, I... It's, I'm not saying, like, oh, it's easy, just just do this. But also, like, it is easy. Just finish a story before you move on. Yeah. There, like, there, think... there's no... Like, you're, this is self-imposed. Mm-hmm. Yes. I I think one of the things I always go back to is when we look at Trespasser, and you know, it's this entire DLC, which is, frankly, still one of the best DLCs I've ever played mm-hmm. and is, is just freaking incredible, like, top to bottom. But the way it ends specifically does two things it sets up well three things let me say it sets up the inquisition as a like will will remain a major force potentially or whatever the inquisition might be basically your character's army (laughs) however uh however that dlc comes to an end like your group uh is is still on the hunt for solace it sets up solace as the big bad and then thirdly it takes your character potentially out of the action, which is mm. very strange that they just immediately established that almost as if to say, hey, you're going to make a new character next game. And I've said it before that I don't think it's necessarily impossible to not... or, or it, It's not impossible to have a new character and still feel like those forces and those storylines are still carrying over. I think it is possible to do that. I'm just worried about whether that's a consideration at this at this point because mm-hmm. i do think you can write it in a way that okay the inquisitors maybe not out of the fight or, or, or they're they're playing a more leliana type role but they're uh they're they're assisting your character they're playing a major role i mean you and i have talked frequently about how cool it would be to have a moment in these games where potentially if your keep saves have transferred over and all your characters are still good you could play a mission with four different protagonists from previous Dragon Age games where all of them are fighting together, and that would feel really cool, and that would be really awesome to do. And that's, you know, that's just fan fiction. That's just us mm-hmm. spitballing and hoping. But it is a potentially really cool idea, and part of me just wonders if that's going to happen, because like you said, I, I'm glad you brought this up too, Dragon Age has to do a lot of its heavy lifting within its own games there are very few characters that carry over game to game like really you have morgan you have um uh oh my god why am i forgetting his name all of a sudden best friend from from dragon age 2 and inquisition starts with the Varric. there we go i kept wanting to say varus and i was like that's not right that's garris but (laughs) (laughs) uh you have Varric, you have morgan you have leliana like those are kind of the main character i would even say leliana is very loose um because i mean i was not a huge leliana fan in origins and she's just kind of there as an npc in in inquisition like i think morgan is a much like stronger carryover character but there are characters that 
carryover game to game, but largely Dragon Age's companion writing has to take place within its own game with its new characters every single installment. It's a testament to how good the character writing is in Dragon Age that those companions can feel so memorable and so uh, like <laughs> worthy of yelling in a discord call <laughs> about <laughs> ranking them for, you know, like we, you're passionate about them still, but uh, it is a struggle. And I just, I look at this and I, I think to myself, okay, you know, what's the deal? And so this is when I want to move into our second piece of news. Cause mm-hmm. I think this is the second, if, if this was the first half of the pie, this is the second half of the pie today. The, the impetus for us doing this in the first place is that Netflix announced during their geeked week stream uh, this, this morning, this, morning afternoon i don't know time is a big wibbly wobbly thing on friday june 10th that a dragon age series is coming to netflix it's called dragon age absolution it is a six episode netflix animated series debuting december 2022 uh all we really know about it is that it's going to star a new cast of characters all new characters we don't even know names at this point though we we do see there's a character that they're kind of using in all their art, and I'm, I'm scanning through the video to pull them up right now, but I believe, uh, yeah, they have... Um, the blood on their face always throws me, but it looks like they have markings. They have they have elvish ears, and they have kind of markings. Mm. So we have we have at least one elven character. It is taking place into Vinter. Uh, they confirmed, I believe is in a PR email I got, because both of us, I think, wrote this news up earlier today. <laughs> uh that uh all the kinds of different forces you would expect are in play here so i think canari and uh blood mages and just mages in general and knights and all that kind of stuff were all confirmed like name checked in there templar knights i should say uh so this is yeah on one hand okay netflix animated series have kind of run the gamut Mm -hmm. uh castlevania is obviously like tops like that's that good good shit i love castlevania Mm. if you have not watched the castlevania series y'all need to get on that it's so good uh and then you have like dota dragon's blood which is kind of middle of the road and i say that as a dota fan uh it is very fine uh arcane is another example of a really really good video game adaptation uh but then you have stuff like dragon's dogma which was dragon's dog shit <laughs> it was <laughs> so bad <laughs> and so uh i i think there's worthwhile trepidation because i have seen some takes already that this looks very generic there's not a mm-hmm. ton here that shows let's say thetis um or what you would uh like describe as traditionally dragon age uh, iconography i would hope that mm-hmm. they're working with bioware in some way to kind of maybe say hey you know what are some of the vistas you're looking mm-hmm. at for dreadwolf because dreadwolf is going to take place into Vinter, right and so uh there is a strong possibility that some of the things that happen here could s- set up establish mm-hmm. be referenced to in dreadwolf mm-hmm. uh and that's exciting that's cool two things i want to note Number one, if you were making a new video game and you wanted people who were super hype on your hot new Netflix series to play that video game, something you would say to them is, you could totally jump in with this new video game. <laughs> so that's number one of why I think this 
all has been worded the way it has. But number two, and I'm going to give a shout out here to one uh, Jeff Grubb, now of Giant Bomb, no longer of one GB, off to another GB. Uh, Jeff Grubb saying, uh, I think this is why EA announced the name of Dragon Age 4. It didn't want confusion with this. Mm. That that has a ring of truth to it to, for, for me, is that mm. number one announcing Dreadwolf lets them just say like, Hey, we had news in the summer. Like it's not a lot. We get it, but they can also make their statement about like more later this year. We promise we're working really hard. And here's like crumbs <laughs> because if God knows that Bioware fans know how to live on crumbs, baby, <laughs> we can hibernate for years on that shit. Uh, but also it, it, it does make it easier because now you don't have this whole thing of, Oh, dragon age absolution. Is that the new game? No, that's the Netflix series. Mm. Like it, it clears up some of the confusion that could happen there that has a ring of truth to it for me. Uh, but I do also think that retroactively a lot of the wording about, Oh, the series, you know, newcomers don't worry too mm. much. It's all good. They might be looking at this in the same way that arcane probably got a whole mm. influx of new players into league of legends and things like that. Right. They're going, Hey, we are going to have a hit video game. It's, it's going to be a big video game that we're going to really put a push behind. And if Absolution does really, really well, we want to make sure that marketing is out there saying, don't worry, you can buy this brand new $60, $70 video game mm. and play it and you won't be lost. You'll be great. And now we're back to the Mass Effect 3 square. But it's, uh, I, I do, that, that rings true to me. But Ken, mm. how do you feel about all this? Um, I, I think the the first thing that I think in a world where I was no longer completely fucking jaded about Dragon Age's franchise, this would at least be exciting to me in terms of it like being like clear signs of life in the series after eight fucking years <laughs> since the last game. Which I mean, t- you know, to be fair, like comics and novels and like anthology novels like Deventer Nights have come out. So it's like so like this is kind of what Dragon Age fans have been living off of at this point, you know, <laughs> tie and stuff. Um, but you know, between you know getting a title for the next the actual next game and then getting this which you know like you said is set into venture so that does imply some level of continuity or like this is some well not even like a preview per se for what's coming up but just like something to do like you a know. tone setting piece yeah. almost yeah um in that in that way uh i don't really feel much for the, the trailer didn't make me feel much either way um i think if there are, like, say, returning characters in this, I think that probably would have been the better foot forward if you could, like, at least hint at some of them, because that is, like, largely my feeling at this point. It's like, if I'm no longer invested in Dragon Age, the franchise, I, mean, I am at least still invested in some of the characters. Like, if, if Dorian shows up in the show, I'm going to be mm-hmm. fucking jazzed, because it's in Deventer. That's where he mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And so, if it's going to, like, you know, touch on things that he's doing, that's what it's actually, like, a point of interest to me, because I think... That is largely, like I said, I think it's kind of my takeaway. It's like, I don't really think I care about Dragon Age anymore. I think I care about certain characters still in it. So mm. I'm not, like, excited about this show, but, like, I'll probably watch it just out of obligation. And, you know, to, um, in case it has, like, information I need to know going into Dreadwolf. Mm. Uh, I don't watch a ton of the animated series that Netflix has done. Like, I don't have, like, any uh, attachment to, like, the Castlevania show or any of the other things that they put out. I, I try to watch some of Arcane. I just... I think I just got pulled away by other things, and so like I don't have any grand opinions on that. So I don't like, I'm not like worried about anything because I hear that, you know, apparently Netflix is kind of 
you know, some of it, some of it's great, some of it's not. And I guess that's, you know, that, that's most places, I guess. Um, I think they're but, hitting more than they miss, which is nice, at mm-hmm. least in the animate animation department it is mm-hmm. dragon's dogma is like the one case where I think they really missed the mark. So that's why I w- I've been looking around to try and see if I can get some info about who exactly is working on this. Um, we do know, okay, uh, I'm going to do some quick search. Figure, you, you had a thought. Please finish that thought while I do some quick follow-up real here. It's also, like, I think we talked about this at the, the end of the Inquisition season. I also don't think that if it didn't have the logo, I think if the logo wasn't on there, I don't know that I'd recognize it with Dragon Age. That's, I think that's, that's the sort of problem the series has, is that there's, on top of, you know, everything that we've ever talked about, like, I think it just has an identity problem. Like, I, I don't think Dragon Age has a lot that makes it instantly recognizable because it has changed art styles and iconography so much. And, you know, some of that comes from, like, we've never been to Deventer yet. So, like, you know, some of this, some of these landmarks that we see here will probably be more recognizable to us, you know, a year and a half from now when we finally played Dreadwolf. Uh-huh. Um, but I guess in that way, it looks generic in that, like, I don't immediately recognize much of this as Dragon Age. You know, I mean, there's a Canary character, which is something. But... I mean, there are a lot of horned, bipedal, human-like characters <laughs> in a lot of fantasy fiction, so even that's not super identifiable to me. Uh, so I did some quick research. Um, the showrunner is someone I'm not familiar with, uh, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced this name, uh, Marguerite Scott, uh, who has worked on a lot of stuff uh mainly a lot of it looks like transformers marvel type stuff worked on the marvel rising movies it seems um and some of the animated movies like uh, justice league dark from 2020 mm. um and wonder woman bloodlines uh so i mean that's i i honestly think from what i'm seeing here an interesting host of influences and and definitely something to the fan of beast wars in her youth you love to see that beast wars is fantastic uh, but the production studio is what I was looking for specifically to see if it was the Dragon's Dogma studio. Mm. Uh, is a studio called Red Dog Culture House, which I've not heard of, and it's actually been kind of difficult to pull up a lot of good info about them. But one wiki I have found uh, points to them having worked on Love, Death, and Robots at some point, which makes sense. That's the Netflix tie-in. They've also worked on some other things, it looks like, like a... Um, uh, something called the summer that says based on a queer novel of the same name uh and uh some various other things around here uh oh okay here we go they also worked on the witcher nightmare of the wolf as well as voltron legendary defender motion comic okay they've done a lot of like netflix adjacent mm-hmm. stuff that makes sense um so i think generally looking at this it's in some pretty decent hands i do think that the trailer itself was not a good tone setter specifically for bioware aficionados let's say Mm. people who would maybe be looking for a little bit more it it felt like it was made to get somebody who doesn't know what dragon age is excited Mm. about this series right right it it does not feel made to get someone who knows what dragon age is excited about a dragon age series right and i do think they need like, I guess right. the thing is, like, you know, if the name carries enough weight to a person, they don't need to see that ship. But, like, you know, if they'd spent a lot of time honing in on iconography, that would maybe be more immediately recognizable to us than that, you know, 
implies a level of investment that you need into it, I think. I think like it, it's almost like the more generic and general you can go with your trailer, the more you have the more opportunities you have to kind of pull people in that don't feel worried that they have missed out on over a decade of uh, games and such that they might need to be interested in to get a handle on the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll just say, you know, I'm curious, like I said before, Castlevania rips, by the way, they also announced the new season of Castlevania. I shouldn't even say season, like the new series of Castlevania, because they completely closed the book on Trevor, Sifa, and Alucard in the last season. So now the new one's called Castlevania Nocturne. It's following Richter Belmont. That means we are likely looking at Rondo of Blood and then Symphony of the Night. And that would be super sick. Um, I'm very excited about that. <laughs> but it's uh, Netflix, I, I, I mean... I think largely hits more than it misses. Like I said before, when it comes to animated video game adaptations, I know it's mm. a very narrow lens, but even it's live action stuff. Like the Witcher has been good. Uh, and I resident evil looks, whatever, who cares? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, honestly, no one can adapt to resident evil and many have tried. So why even bother? But uh, this at least looks somewhat interesting. What was the, what was the Dragon Age one that we watched? There wasn't there an Dawn animated the one we watched for Dawn of the um, Seeker. Yeah, the Seeker one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that one was, was bad. Dawn. Of, that, that was that was a movie. Bad. It was a bad movie. Yeah, that that went places. I keep forgetting it was a Dragon Age movie. Mm. But I think this is. I'm interested, but also I, I agree with you that I'm just really curious at this point. We've we've seen so little of Bioware's two main properties for so long at this point, and now you know getting a Netflix series is kind of exciting, but it almost emphasizes the point that we have not seen much of the new Dragon Age. the The new Mass Effect is even further out than that. Like it, it's exciting in some ways that this could signal the re the great rekindling of Bioware after several years of, of struggling through it mm-hmm. but at the same time it, it also uh I, it, they got a lot they got a lot mm-hmm. of heavy lifting to do and mm-hmm. lord help them if dragon age absolution ends up being a bad series because i mean you can't ultimately like write that off at the end of the day and be like oh you know just the show wasn't good but it's not gonna set a great tone going into Dreadwolf. so mm-hmm. i i'm interested if nothing else and you know I, i'm always a sucker for watching video game adaptations so i'll watch mm. it and god knows there's a high chance we'll probably even watch it and do mm. a little spoiler cast on it here who knows but yeah uh, any final thoughts here ken dragon age makes me feel nothing anymore so no i have no more thoughts this is some real this is a real post-pandemic podcast right mm-hmm. mid-pandemic frankly uh so <laughs> well, uh, with that, we're going to close up our bio bit for today. Thank you if you tuned in. You know, we do these sporadically. This is not a regular thing. It just happens whenever there's Bioware news. But guaranteed, you know, if you want to get a heads up on when we're going to do one, we usually say so in our Discord. Uh, we'll, we'll put a thing out there saying, hey, we're going to hit a bio, bio bit on this or something like that. So and if you want to get into that Discord, we're not going to do the whole rundown as we do for every episode. But as always, we are 
Normandy FM, we are a retrospective podcast. We're currently in the midst of our Cyberpunk 2077 season, but if you want to go back and listen to the old episodes, we've got everything, including Mass Effect and Dragon Age, and even the Mass Effect Legendary Edition roundtables, which were a bunch of fun. You should go listen to if you're feeling a sort of way about Mass Effect. Uh, we've also got The Last of Us and Final Fantasy X and Jade Empire, if you want to check those out too. And uh, we have a Patreon. If you want to get into that Discord, you just got to go to patreon.com slash normandyfm. Uh, any amount will get you into the backer discord where we just hang out and chat and you can ask us questions and all that kind of stuff see our updates coming in and all that uh yeah check us out there and well see you in like i don't know six to eight months when we get the next chrome (laughs) 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 or or whenever the next cyberpunk episode is from this until then the first one hasn't gone up yet for the public so Oh, yeah, yeah. See, recording these ahead of time is just completely thrown off my perception of time. But for Ken, for myself, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next episode of Normandy FM.